When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. We'll dive in after this message from our sponsors. Janet here from Boys Alive. Are you like many parents who long to have deep, meaningful conversations with your son? Instead, you're met with one-word answers or no answers at all. I have created the Boy Talk Blueprint to be your step-by-step guide to creating the atmosphere and choosing the words to have those boy-friendly conversations. You don't have to dread that next silent car ride or stop walking around on eggshells. You must be the safe harbor for your son. And when you learn the three essential elements that you need to create the atmosphere that allows these conversations to happen, you'll soon find that you're having the short, easy conversations, and you're also having those tough ones too. It's the Boy Talk Blueprint. Go to boysalive.com, click on the yellow banner, and you'll soon be on your way to having boy-friendly conversations with your son. That's the Boy Talk Blueprint. Find it at boysalive.com and click on the yellow banner. And now on boys. I was thinking about this episode today. And although I know of our guest's work, I don't know her personally, but this memory popped into my mind. When I was little, we lived in Germany and around the holidays, a very dear German woman would join my mom and some of her friends in our teeny tiny apartment and she'd teach them how to make a variety of special German cookies. I still remember the aromas, the coffee, the laughter that wafted out from the kitchen. And it was, it's, was just a really special and memorable time. Now, listeners, I don't even know if our guest bakes, but anticipating this episode with her feels kind of like a party where like-minded folks come together to celebrate and dissect and hopefully put together some new thoughts for those we serve. Boy champions all. A parent educator, mom of boys, She is dedicated to creating a more peaceful world, one sweet boy at a time. Welcome, Tasha Shore. Thank you. It's so funny to talk about baking because I just literally baked banana bread that just like gushed all out of the pan and all over the bottom of the oven. And before I came in here to record, I just like scraped the part off the bottom of the oven and ate it and then put the cake, the rest of it to cool. So that's totally funny. I just randomly was like, I'm going to bake something. 
Oh man, that's a little scary. Here we go. <laughs> and you know what? It's the best part too, because it's so real. You painted this lovely idyllic picture of these women <laughs> laughing together and the beautiful scents in the kitchen and it's all wonderful. And Tasha's like, yeah. And sometimes the banana bread spills all over the oven, makes a mess. And you know what? It's fine anyway. This is what life with boys is like. It does not always live up to our pictured dreams or fantasies, but it is sweet and lovely and lively anyway. Most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so Tasha, you have three boys. So how sweet and lively and surprising is it raising three boys? And and I want to also put this in at the beginning is that you have a BA in women's studies, correct? So what a um, interesting juxtaposition of your studies and your life. Yes, well, I think raising boys actually has to be a feminist act. I like to tell the story of when I was uh, younger (laughs) and younger even than I am now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes, I hear you had a birthday recently. Thank you, social media. The big 5-0. But when I was younger um, and I was pregnant with my first, uh, 9-11 happened. It was was a very interesting Mm. time of life. But um, I remember once uh, just laying on my couch and feeling nauseous and suddenly having this thought, what if I have a boy? And it was like, oh my God, that kind of a thought. Like I was terrified. What would I do? So what, what does somebody do who like basically grew up with a single mom and was, you know, at every women's march and rally and fighting for women's rights her whole life. She calls her mom. So I called my mom and I said, <laughs> mom, like, what are we going to do if I have a boy? We, right? Because we're like the dynamic duo. What are we going to do if I have a boy? And there was just silence on the other end of the line. And then after what seemed like an eternity was probably like, 20 seconds. She said, don't worry, Tasha, we'll figure it out. (laughs) That was kind of like the beginning of the journey. Like I never even realized I would, it never even occurred to me that I could have boys. Like I just assumed that I would have girls because that's all I knew. And that was my whole life. But once I did, and I realized that um, things weren't going to always go smoothly, like we talked about at the beginning. Uh, And despite that, I was going to need to and wanted to learn how to be a real strong advocate for my boys. So I was going to have to revisit some of the feminist ideology that I was coming from, because as much as I believed in it and still believe in it, the ideology that I was brought up with, or at least the way that I internalized it, put boys and men uh, as the other and the bad guy. And that wasn't going to work for me because now I had these boys who I was passionately in love with and wanted to advocate for. And they were doing all sorts of yucky things that I had to figure out. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's interesting having to marry this feminist background and present truthfully with, with raising boys. I want to dive into that a little bit more because I too, obviously I'm female. I've experienced life as a female. I did have brothers. So I had that going for me before I ended up with these four boys. But as a woman, 
I was aware of how gender affected me. I was aware of how gender affected and oftentimes limited women and girls. I had zero concept of what it was like to move through the world as a male. And I was not aware until I had my own boys that I was madly in love with and needed to advocate for that there are gender expectations and stereotypes that our boys are wrestling with in the world. So can you tell me a little bit about your realization of that and how that has really shifted how you advocate for boys and your understanding of these gender issues in the world? The answer to the question that I get all the time, which is, you know, why do you just focus on boys? And every time I run a program, people email me like, <laughs> that's, you know, it's sexist. And how come you're not including girls and girls matter too, and all of that stuff. And to me, or children who identify as boy, to me, that's what's important because it's really about uh, how the world interacts with them. And, and they do get treated a certain way because of their perceived gender. And that's just a reality. And, and I think it's, it's not fair to ignore that just because as they grow, they still tend to hold more positions of power, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it's just not fair because, you know, if we look at the statistics and I don't know how to throw numbers at you, but you know, the rate that boys are, for example, kicked out of preschool. Yeah, and I'm like talking about two-year-olds, three-year-olds, yep. four-year-olds is insanely high and completely disproportionate to the, right. the, 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 the ratio of boy-girl in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Same goes for education as we move up, like boys are losing ground. And I'm excited that we women have gained ground and we are continuing to gain ground but we're losing the boys along the way. And we're losing the men along the way too, by the way. I think of feminism as, as, as bringing some equality to sort of family systems, but that's not, there's talk about that happening now, but that has not been what's happened. That has yeah. not been what's happened over the years. It's been like, yeah, we get to, as women, make all these amazing gains in our workplace. I guess to, I get to build my own business and have it be successful and help people all over the world. And you get to do the same with this podcast. And that's amazing. But most of us are still expected to hold down the fort right. at the same time. Like mm -hmm. that work didn't go away. It just got doubled. Part of the work that I do is also helping dads when there's a dad in the family find their place. Mm -hmm. because they too are important. And I think we can forget that. There are a lot of the situations, for example, where kids only want their moms, right? Kids only want their moms. And we get to work on figuring out how to resolve that. Because if we think about that, that doesn't make sense. Here they have this father who absolutely loves them and adores them and wants to put them to bed. Yeah. And then feels hurt when they're like crying for mom and what's going on. So there are gender issues throughout. From yes. the beginning, all the way to the end. All, all the, the way, way to the end. And, you know, to add, to amplify that picture, Tasha, it's the, it's the mom who uh, is resentful because the boy wants the dad. So it's really, you know, I'm also a family coach. So we're, we're talking the same language here. How do we help moms and dads see that boys need different things from each of them? And it's okay. It's okay. If your son wants to go off with dad on a Saturday, don't take it personally as mom. And the, and the other way around too. And also back to the educational piece, knowing that 
about 96, 97% of elementary teachers are female. And so helping women see through their female lens, through those eyes and understanding boys is just going to expand everybody's opportunity, everybody's relationships. I just really view it as understanding an other. You know, it's understanding someone that's not you. So much of the time that people that kids spend is in school, and so much of the school, uh, or so many of the school systems, I should say, are set up really without boys in mind. Yeah. Without sort of the way a lot of boys work in mind. And again, like things aren't black and white, and it's some girls, and it's but for simplicity's sake let's just say that a lot of boys are struggling in the school system all the way through and rates of graduation are going down and college graduation rates for women, I believe are higher now than for men. And mm-hmm. again, like I want to celebrate that on the one hand yes. and on the other hand, I'm like, but hang on, what about my guys? Yeah. So this is one of the things that is incredibly frustrating. We are approximately the same age. We are raising teenage males, young adult males, And so, yes, I celebrate the gains that females have made. I recognize that those gains are made in part because people recognize that there was a problem and we need to deliberately address that. So one of the things that's very frustrating to me, this fact that boys have been falling behind in education and, and, you know, the discipline issue, the academic issues that has been going on for the 20 plus years that I have been raising boys, that you have been raising boys, and we're still not taking action on this. My boys and I get into these discussions now that they're teenagers. I lived before they did, by definition. So I understand why some of these things happened. My boys are like, we grew up in this era of girl power. All anybody's ever talking about Mm -hmm. is the girls. And so they have a hard time understanding why the world is oriented the way it is right now. I don't really have a question there. I'm asking for your experience and your reflections and how you have those discussions with your boys. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't, I haven't had a lot of those discussions with my boys, to be honest. Like, I feel like it hasn't, it hasn't come up with them as much. I think Part of it is because we go back and forth between cultures. In Israel, things are a little bit different. There's much less of a gender divide. So whereas my experience, at least in the States, is that from a pretty young age, I'm trying to remember when when it happened, but you know, I don't know, maybe second grade or something like there. It's already like the boys are playing together. The girls are playing together and like it's, it's boys birthday parties. It's funny that you said second grade because it was my second grade teacher who came around at recess and consistently would say, boys play with boys and girls play with girls. Seriously? Yeah. And that sing song kind of a voice, like it is still in my head all these years later, boys play with boys and girls play with girls. Second grade. Wow. Yeah. And and I would say like in Israel, certainly in the community where we are living and the experience that we have here is is very different. I mean, my boys, even my all all of my boys, 14, 16 and 18, and they all have very close female friends. They all, you know, gather together in groups with both genders. Um, There's a sense of of comfort. It's It's a whole different scene. 
So I think like it hasn't been as black and white as perhaps it has been for your kids if you've been in the States the whole time. It's really so interesting. had those conversations in the way that you've, you've discussed them. Really interesting. I just mm-hmm. had a conversation uh, last week with uh, Dr. Robert Blum, who is a researcher in adolescent medicine out of Johns Hopkins, who's been studying gender and adolescence throughout the world for, you know, like 30 years many different places from, you know, wealthy countries to the poorest of the countries. And he's noted that one of the things that often happens at adolescence is the boys and girls are separated. And one of the issues with that separation is then you, you don't really know the other. And Mm -hmm. so it becomes much easier to objectify them because if you can't interact in a meaningful way, all you see is what you see. And, you know, we got hormones going on. Mm -hmm. And so you are the other side of that story. You're saying, hey, I am living in this place where there is continued interaction and they know each other as human beings. Absolutely. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. 
Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. Yeah, they barbecue together and they go to the beach together and they, you know, they make meals together. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very different and it's wonderful. It's beautiful. You get to know people as humans. Whenever you get to know somebody as a human, they have their flaws. They have their wonderful points. That's true for all of us, no matter where we fall on the gender spectrum. And I think when we start to see that humanness, it helps us break past all these preconceived notions that we have about gender, both male, female, everything. Right. I mean, I will say that we are still bombarded with media messages and, you know, Israeli culture, like every culture on the planet, I think is absolutely, um, you know, male dominated and in the same ways that it is in the States. So it's not that some ideal world, but there is much more, there are many more years of opportunity to get to know the other. I mean, and when I think about it, it's it's interesting because even, um, you know, there's there's mandatory military service here for men and women. So Mm -hmm. They're also all going through the military. Now, again, there, you know, if you look into it, there are plenty of gender issues that are going on there. Um, so it's not clean, but um, it is a beautiful thing that they get to really develop deep friendships. Because I think one of the things that happens in cultures where this doesn't happen is um, the only way that men or young men or older men <laughs> have an opportunity to be close to women is sexual mm-hmm. like that becomes like sexual, the only romantic relationship that is pretty right. much the only time many males are close to a female that's right that's too bad yeah that's too yeah. bad because there are many wonderful friendships to be had and mm-hmm. and what what you know how, how sad that those don't get to happen either because we're worried they're going to turn sexual or for yes. whatever reason I think a takeaway there for parents is to continue to support relationships with friends of all genders. You mentioned it. There's some parental fear that you get around adolescents. And I don't know if I want them spending too much time together because this might turn sexual. Try and park those fears and support this as a human relationship. Absolutely. I mean, and, and to be fair, like teenagers are sexual. So if, if that's challenging for you as a parent, um, it's going to be important to look at that and be sure that you are talking openly about sex with your teen or even a younger child, even a much younger child. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to do that, to seek resource for that, for sure, because the more open conversations you can have, the, the, the more peacefully your child is going to get through adolescence. <laughs> 
if your child gets through adolescence more peacefully, then so do you parents. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This, this is a goal, definitely a goal. So I know that a lot of your work focuses around aggression. Why? Why aggression? Aggression, because I think it's the root of a lot of our world's problems. And as you mentioned at the beginning, my mission is to create a more peaceful world, one sweet boy at a time. And I'll tell you another story. When I was, when my boys were much younger and they were going off to school, elementary, and I had a moment before starting work to sit down, read the paper, drink my cup of tea. I opened it and it was, it was just horror, right? It was rape, murder, terrorist attacks, on and on and on, and all at the hands of men. And at that moment, I um, had this epiphany that I wanted to connect the dots for parents of young boys, that we had an amazing opportunity in raising these little guys to raise men differently, to raise men who would make different choices. And I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. I mean, I, I know that there are things beyond some of our control, right? There, there, are, there are class issues, there are race issues. There are all sorts of issues that, you know, I'm not addressing head on here and what I'm saying, but, but the bottom line is we get to raise our boys differently. We get to raise our boys in a way such that they have safe space to feel their full array of feelings such that they're not just left with anger. Because what happens is that anger turns into aggression. The fears that they have to keep inside because we don't feel comfortable with a boy who's scared mm -hmm. turn into aggression, right? All of these things turn into aggression. So I wanted to reach out to parents um, when their boys were really young and we could still really get in there with them to help mm -hmm. them. Also, the aggression in young boys really scares a lot of people in a way that aggression of young girls doesn't. It gives us an opportunity as parents to address our own issues and mm -hmm. look at why there's fear there. And there's a lot to talk about there, but I won't even go there right now. And, and, and so I'm, I'm just passionate about it. I, I've seen so many people make such great strides with their little ones and change things about their boy that they really um, were worried were part of their personality. Like, oh, my boy's an aggressive little one, or you know, he's a troublemaker or something like that. We attribute these qualities to their personality and just start labeling them. Mm -hmm. And what I wanna say is no, actually those are just behaviors. So let's yeah. not lose track of the sweet boy underneath those troublesome behaviors. Mm -hmm. Instead, let's connect with him and let, let those behaviors kind of fall away. Well, and some of it is about just normalizing the level of activity that our boys need and the level of, you know, you guys are all familiar with the level of wrestling that happens in your household between them. And many women, especially women who were not raised with brothers like Jen was, this is surprising and shocking. And uh, I have many moms that I work with that are nerve sensitive so they're the just the level of noise is really troubling to them and i i tell moms all the time they get earplugs just put some earplugs in so it, it's it's kind of coming to terms with 
that level and and normalizing it just because they're wrestling and they're noisy doesn't mean they're you know moving towards anger or towards aggression this is the true expression of who many of our boys are and allowing and you talked earlier about you know being expelled from preschool i've worked with those families their kids have been expelled from preschool and it's often because they're just being boys and the environment does not fit that doesn't allow for that level of activity. We still have a yeah. lot of work to do. Yeah, we do have a lot of work to do. And, and, and some of it is as simple as adjusting our expectations and helping society adjust its expectations, mm-hmm. right? Just like mm-hmm. what, what you were talking about. And some of it is looking at our boys and saying, hey, you know, hey, he's really struggling here. He's got, he's rigid. Like he can't, he can't um, kind of roll when, when plans change or when, you know, the green shirt is dirty and he really wants to wear it or when dad's going to put him to bed and not mom or something like that. And, and he sometimes will hit or spit or call us horrible names in those situations. And so we need to stand back as parents and say, okay, yes, this behavior is problematic. The child isn't bad. The child Mm -hmm. is sweet, but the behaviors aren't working and they're certainly not serving him well. They're not going to allow him to build a big life for himself and, and, and make wonderful friends and, and get to all the places that he wants to get to in life. Right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even know about yet. So it's really our job as parents to be able to make that differentiation, right. Differentiate between that sweet boy and then the troublesome behaviors and then get the tools that we need to be able to help him through those behaviors. Yeah. Because, you know, aggression is, yeah, it's yucky, but it's, it's almost always work throughable. And the sooner we start, the easier it is to work through. You mentioned parental fears, how we uh, can be very afraid when we see these flares of aggression and anger in our boys and that there is this tendency in, in our heads to label them as, you know, troublemakers or bad. And some of that comes from such a well-intentioned place. A lot of us parents, especially mothers of boys, raising boys now feel that pressure that you talked about. You know, you read these stories in the newspaper and you can't help but notice, oh, rapes, murders, sexual assaults, terrorist acts, male, 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 male. I am not going to raise a boy like that. And so sometimes it's almost like we see a three-year-old lashing out and feel like I need to stop that, put a quash on that immediately because I don't want him to be a terrorist. school shooter. To be the next school shooter. I get this all the time. Yeah. Go into that a little bit more, how you help parents, you know, deconstruct that and come back to remembering, hey, you know what, this is just right now. Right. So so part of this work, is, as we all know, and a big part of it, probably the majority of it is working on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So one thing I noticed, particularly about moms with young boys who are struggling with aggression, is that they can get really scared. And that can be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe we had uh, a father or a brother who was overpowering um, or abusive physically verbally it's triggering uh, our experiences of male right. aggression right and 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 most unfortunately most women have had some sort of um you know sexual abuse of some kind happen to them and again they get triggered we get triggered right we hear the big loud voice we feel the punch coming at us 
and we we freeze we we just we just get terrified and we lose sight of the fact that this is our three-year-old and not our college boyfriend or whatever it was yeah. right mm -hmm. and and so that work is really important to do i mean i can't tell you how many parents come to me and they'll say well i know he's only three but he's really strong mm -hmm. okay and i get that a three-year-old can be really strong yes and we're stronger and we're adults and we have fuller, fully developed brains and we can help him if we're not scared. It is really important for us as parents to do our work. And the way that my mentor, Patty Whipfler and I advocate for is to use a tool called Listening Partnerships, which we write about in our book, which is called Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. It is an amazing tool because one, it's free. Two, you can do it with anybody. Uh, you can do it on Zoom. You can do it in person. You can do it on the phone. And essentially what it is, is exchanging time with another parent where you listen for a certain amount of time and then they listen to you for a certain amount of time. But it's a very different kind of listening than like the kind of listening that we do when we go out with our girlfriend for coffee. So we don't give advice we don't try to make them feel better or convince them to feel any differently than they do feel. Really our job as a listener is to pour in our love, to trust in that other person's intelligence, to trust that they'll find a solution if a solution needs to be found um, and to allow the other person to just feel their way through the struggle. And it stays confidential. So it's a real safe place and people work through amazing traumas even. I mean, I've just seen parents after, you know, parent after parent after parent work through all of the types of, of, of traumas that we've addressed so far so that they can show up for their sweet boy who is, you know, spitting in their face or coming at them to kick them when they, you know, they say no to dessert and mm -hmm. is able to come in then and hold a loving limit and listen to that boy have a big upset about that limit, which is just fine. Mm -hmm. Because I always say, we as the parents get to decide the limits of the family, but we have no control over how our children feel about those limits. Yeah. And we get into a lot of trouble and frustration when we attempt to do that, right? We, we, we still expect to set a limit to say, you know, um, you know, no, sweet boy, you know, you, you, you can't kick me. And for them to say, oh, gosh, mom, you're right. you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kick you. What was I thinking? Like, <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I love this. I'm just seeing, you know, women huddled together, talking to each other in this community and recognizing that it is a very female way. And I, I, I'm assuming there's men participating, but typically this is a very female way to process our thoughts and feelings is out loud, right? Because we do yes, that. Well, really, every mode that we're going to talk about in terms of healing is female dominated. Female. And yes. this is part of the reason why this work is so important. Yes. So men can and absolutely do do listening partnerships. Enough men? No. But part yeah. of this work where essentially what we're doing with our young boys is listening to them. One of the things we're doing is listening to those feelings that they have, for example, when we set a limit or mm -hmm. um, 
you know, when a transition is happening and they're uncomfortable or when they're disappointed or sad or upset or heartbroken or whatever, like if we listen to our boys in those moments, rather than trying to shut down for, you know, fear of whatever our fears of, they're going to be yeah. teased, maybe could be a fear sometime or just the old fashioned, you know, boys shouldn't be crying, mm -hmm. um, or positive, you know, sort of man up, no big deal, whatever. Um, all those things. I mean, we, we need to create those safe spaces for our boys so that they grow up and realize emotional work is real work, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to participate in the emotional work of raising my own children. I want to do my own emotional work of healing the traumas of my youth so that I can show up better for my partner, for my family, mm -hmm. for my colleagues, for the world. I love that we're getting there because this kind of leads to a question I had for you. And it's around this expectation that we have for dads now. The men who are raising families now have this kind of outside expectation of doing the emotional work, of being that, you know, provider and partner and emotional responder and being able to be alive in that realm too. And it's like we we needed them to be raised how we're raising the boys now, but they didn't get that. And so there's this expectation that they can show up, but they didn't learn it. It's not yeah, in there. We their... have to be really patient. Yes. You yeah. know, it's really interesting. One thing that I'll see is I'll talk to many, many mothers who will say that they wish that their partner were, um, you know, more emotional, you know, softer, more able to access his feelings. But then a really interesting things a really interesting thing happens, which is that when things do get hard, if he does show emotion, if he does cry on her shoulder, she freaks out. Yeah. Because we weren't raised that way either. I Exactly. We are trying to do things that we didn't necessarily have patterns for. So we have to give our partners and ourselves so much grace. We're stumbling through this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and all of us are stumbling through it. And I think like the, the thing that's most important is that whoever you are partnered with or not partnered with or parenting with um, or raising your child with, whether teachers, coaches, whatever, is like, you know, we have to remember that everybody is doing their best. Everyone yes. is doing their best. And if we, if we walk around with that in our mind, like this guy is doing the best he can do, it might not be good enough. It might not be good enough. We might want to address the issue. But if we come to him with our complaints from a place of he's doing the best he can, there's so much hope there. Right, mm -hmm. because we can come and we can appreciate what he does do, what he does bring to the table, and say, Hey, you know, this would really help, or what do you think about that? Or how about we work in this area? Or, you know, what do you think? It's complicated, but coming at it with perspective makes it so much better, but it's still going to take time. Sure, that's where I feel a lot of hope in this whole raising boys, addressing gender limitations and, and gender expectations. You talked earlier about how raising boys in some ways is a radical act. We are trying to raise boys who respect all humans, who have access to their emotions, can freely express them, can be who they are in a world 
where gender expectations are shifting, but not so much yet in a world where boys are still expelled at like four or more times the rate of girls. I can't fix all of that. I can't do it all at once, but the work that I am doing with my boys, which is often messy, like the banana bread in your oven, (laughs) not perfect. It's a step in that direction. And if I take this step with my boys, even days, it doesn't go very well at all. I get up, I try again tomorrow. You are doing the same with your boys. Our listeners are doing the same with their boys. We're going to get there. Absolutely. I, I am completely hopeful. Me too. I am. Tasha, you have given us more hope. I love the, this image of like, here we are just so passionate about our boys and all boys and that it just weaves around the world and we are creating change like you said you know one sweet boy at a time and our listeners are creating that change one sweet boy at a time and we're doing it and you're doing it and thank you so much tell our listeners how they can find you and uh say the name of your book again Ah, yeah, you can find me on my website, which is my name, TashaShore.com. And um, my book is called Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. And it is co-authored with my mentor, Patty Whipfler. Thank you so much for your work with boys. Let's keep changing the world. Absolutely. Let's keep doing it. And however challenging your boys' behaviors are, don't give up. You can, you can help them through. Yep. They need us. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And don't forget the Boy Talk Blueprint, helping you have deep, meaningful, short, long conversations with your son, helping you set up the right stage, helping you find the right words, and knowing how to be in boy-friendly conversation. That's the Boy Talk Blueprint, your step-by-step guide. You can find that at boysalive.com. Just click on the yellow banner. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked this episode, feel free to share it with a friend. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.